Hello, everybody. It's Jason and Justin. Today, we are joined by Kira Reed. Lorsch. Kira, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you guys? Doing well. Great. I've been looking forward to this interview. I'm super excited to talk to you. I have a question. Sure. Before you shoot yours, um, it's it's the three geeks. Now, am I? Does that make me the third geek? Yes, that's kind of oh, how these yeah. interviews work out. Okay, <laughs> I love it. We have a weekly live show, but there's way more than three of us. And then for the conversations, it's me, Justin, and a guest, which is three of us. Okay. Yeah, I'm a geek today. Yeah. Just <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know how these people <laughs> call me. It's all right. I get it's called calling over. through the computer. Mm. Hmm. Do you want to start over? Oh, we can edit it out. I powered my phone off, but I guess it's still coming through the computer. It's all right. We'll just edit this part out. Okay, you can leave it in if you want. I mean, I'm a geek already. We might as well show that I can't reuse my phone. Really lean into <laughs> it. I don't know how to use my iPhone. <laughs> so, Kira, where did you grow up? I grew up in Northern California, born and raised California girl. I also grew up in Louisville, Kentucky where my step family is from. So I got some Midwest there. My brother still lives there. My sister's in Nashville. So, you know, I've got, I've got some um, roots yeah, all over. That's awesome. What made you want to get into uh, film and television? Well, you know, I always wanted to, to be on TV. I wanted to be in the TV as a little girl. Like I, I want, I just knew I wanted mm -hmm. to do it and I was good at it. I was outgoing. Um, I was kind of shy because we moved around a lot, but the way that I fit in was I was good in speech class. I was good in the school plays and it really brought me out of my, of, of my shell of being the new girl all the time. My, my stepfather flipped houses. He was in construction. So I moved 12 times before I was 12 years old. So it helped um, to have me have a thing, you know? So that became my thing. My mom put me on romper room when I was four because I begged her to introduce me to Miss Marianne and she drove me down to Oakland and I auditioned and I got it and I started doing commercials as a kid. And I went to arts high schools, both in Louisville and back in LA. I came back to um, California because I loved the free thinkingness of California and that's where Hollywood was. How was I gonna be a movie star if I wasn't where the movies were being made? <laughs> so, so I came here and I got a scholarship to UCLA School of Theater, Film and Television. And I've been working, you know, my way up from an extra since I got my SAG card, you know, at, at 17. And then my first line at 19 on the original 90210. And I just, you know, now I'm 40 <coughs> something. <laughs> and I'm still, you know, a working actress. What is it like getting your first role on 90210? What was that experience like? Well, I was an extra in the class. So I would be there working as an extra. So I was around all the people, all the, you know, and at the time that was like the biggest show on TV. So it was like an honor just to be chosen to be part of the class. And I was, I was a SAG extra. So my hope was I would get enough vouchers as an extra to, to turn those in to get my SAG card or they have to give you a line. And they gave me a line at the Peach Pit with Luke Perry for somebody's birthday party. And I was one of the dancing girls. And, you know, I came over and wished somebody the happy birthday, you know what I mean? And was there for blowing out the candles. And it's like, you're like, 
It's like the, the seas part and the angels shine down on you and you think you've made it because you have one line on 90210. And, you know, at the moment, it is. It's the biggest thing in the world. I, I can see that. I uh, We've done these interviews for about a year now. And every time I do one, I feel like it's the biggest thing in the world. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you, you weren't like, oh, God, we got to do this again. There's so much actress that we don't even barely heard of. We got to interview and make it interesting. No, you know, it's it, you love it, right? It's all I, I, I do. The, the actor I know the least about, I enjoy talking to the most. Mm. Getting to know him and stuff. But, um, what has your career been like? What's some of the highlights that you've had so far coming up in the 90s and early 2000s? Well, in the 90s and early 2000s, I had the great privilege of working for Hugh Hefner. I started out, you know, after just getting, you know, little lines and little parts and working for a living and bartending and cocktail waitressing when I answered an ad in the LA Weekly for um, bikini models wanted for a Playboy production of Maui Heat Swimsuit Edition. And I was like, and, and just picture this. I don't look anywhere as glamorous as I, as I do now, as I did then. I was fresh out of my purple hair stage and my like combat boots. And, you know, I was already over the hill for a Playboy girl. I was 24 and I graduated college at UCLA. I was working, I was struggling. And I'm like, if they pick me to be a bikini model, I'm doing something right. You know what I mean? So I kept going to these auditions for Playboy. And I'm standing next to these gorgeous Amazon women and like these blonde, beautiful models and stuff. And I'm like, why am I even in the same room with these girls? But I realized quickly that I was like the Marianne to their gingers. They were they they needed the relatable girl next door. They needed someone who wasn't who was the more accessible girl. So I get to the final callback and with all these executives, you know, and I'm like, so did I get the part? Like they kept reading for the, these swimsuit models. They're like, no, you didn't get the part of the swimsuit model. I'm like, oh well, thanks. It was a good learning experience. You know, have fun in Hawaii. They said, no, 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 no. We we're going to put you in the movie. You're going to be the makeup artist to the swimsuit models. You're gonna be the, the the sidekick, the funny girl. And I'm like, perfect, I get to go to Maui for three weeks. <laughs> you know, and I had just gotten back from Greece after my college, you know, time. That was my, I got a thousand dollars from my grandparents for graduating college. I'm like, I've never left the country. I'm gonna go to Italy, I'm gonna go to Greece. I, I, I studied all these, um, you know, art and history and architecture. I was really into that. So I wanted to go see the ruins and everything. But I, they also had topless beaches. Like it was normal. They're like, but you've got to be comfortable if there's there's nude scenes. You're going to at least be topless in this movie. I'm like, I, I, I like took off my shirt in the room. I'm like, I just got back from Greece. Everybody's doing it. I don't know what the big deal was. And they're like, thank you. You're hired. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. So did you uh, did you meet Hef and everything? I did. Well, I, um, you know, I met Hef. I was I was in the magazine as an actress, an actress feature in the magazine. I did um I would say, you know, those Skinamax movies in the 90s, I did at least 20 of those. Um, some of them were Playboy productions or, or Playboy productions with Eros or or the Zelman King, you know, the Red Shoe Diaries or all that sort of stuff. They all went through Playboy. So I was invited to the parties of one of, as one of the girly girls, but um I also um the, you know, the, they sent my footage from Maui Heat, that first that first movie I did, to Hef, 
to be approved to do other movies or whatever. And then I was on the party list, you know, so I'd go to the, the mansion for the parties. And then later in my life, when I was married to my late husband, Bob, who's a wonderful man and philanthropist, he would, he would use the Playboy Mansion to do his charity events. So I had the wonderful idea when I, I started working with Hollywood for mental health. That's mm -hmm. Debbie Reynolds, Carrie Fisher, Ruta Lee, then, you know, run it. And I was actually the president of Hollywood for mental health um, for a couple of years after um, Carrie Fisher died and Debbie Reynolds died, you know, both at the same time. It was nuts. Mm -hmm. I was on the board. I took over. But one of my crowning achievements of, 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 of being, you know, running the show there was that we honored Hugh Hefner before he died at the Playboy Mansion as our Mr. Wonderful. I did Smokey Robinson the next time I, I did the event. Anyway, but you know, so I, I went from a, a, a naked girl in his magazine to the, the Beverly Hills charity lady who was honoring him. That's great. So I, had, I went like this with Hef, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I ran the spectrum with Hef. That's awesome. And I'm gonna be, guess what? I have this um, a, Holly, a Halloween event coming up that's benefiting St. Jude's mm -hmm. and um, it's called Hollywood Hotness. You can go to hollywood-hotness.com and buy tickets or or just donate and support. And I'm going to be one of the hosts and I'm going to be a Playboy bunny, uh, <clears throat> year old Playboy bunny <laughs> for Halloween this year. It's going to be great. So you mentioned Carrie Fisher and I have to, being a geek podcast, have you had a lot yeah. of interactions with her or? <laughs> I, I've met Carrie Fisher. I've actually been to her house. If you go That's to cool. my at Kira Reed Lorsch Instagram, I actually posted a picture of me on her kitchen floor <laughs> <laughs> not too long ago. Her and her brother Todd, you know, weren't as active as their mother, Debbie Reynolds. It was Debbie Reynolds' charity. But, you know, even in the honorary Oscar um, speech that, um, that Carrie gave um, about Debbie, she talked about the failings in Hollywood for mental health. And the guy who's now the, you know, chairman of the board for Hollywood for mental health for the failings treated Carrie Fisher. I mean, she's oh, open okay. about it or I wouldn't talk about it, right. about her bipolar and everything. But, you know, you'll notice on her kitchen floor in her tile, there's Prozac pills. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Princess Leia, man, she, she was great, wasn't she? And she really yeah. took her issues that she had to and made art out of them and really was a role model for speaking out. Like we're we're used to it now. Like I'm a, a spokesperson for mental health, not because I'm so healthy, you know, I'm so mentally healthy. It's because I'm not. We, you know, it's like in the pandemic has shined a big spotlight on it. We're all a little nuts. And, you know, when the world goes nuts, you know, how we react to that, it really shines a spotlight on, on how important mental health awareness is and that it's okay to not be okay. And you can reach out for help, you know? So that's what that is all about. I'm also um, an ambassador for the Imperfectly Perfect campaign, which is a, a mental health awareness um, organization outside of Australia. So that's awesome. Yeah. That is, that is fantastic. Like that is, I, I love anybody that participates with charities. We've, we've, done a few ourselves with other podcasters and it's just it feels good to give back and it does and it really does heal you you know when you go through whatever kind of self-help programs you go to you find it get out you know your problems are you know self-pity or desperation or neediness or whatever it's like what's the remedy for that giving back to others service mm -hmm. helping other people that's how you're going to feel better about yourself so it's not just lip service it does it does work you were on one of my favorite shows of all time, which is NYPD Blue. What oh, was yeah. that experience like? What was Dennis Franz like? Dennis Franz never knew his lines. 
<laughs> I believe that. <laughs> you know, when you come in as a guest actor, you're so, and I did four episodes, you're so excited to be there, you know? So you, you rehearse and you work with your acting coach and you know your lines. They're doing this day in and day out. They sort of learn them as they go and they find their way. So it's like, but you know what? That's how he worked. Like he didn't, like I was ready and I knew all my lines, but then I'm working off this guy who's changing it up every time and you know, all of that. But that's how, that's how he was so good. That's how he found his, his character and his, his comfort level. But also it's just like, it's a lot to do those guys, you know, all those hallway scenes walking down and talking about things and just all in one take and the camera moving. Like it's a, it's a lot. I admire them. And Jimmy Smith's, I mean, my God, these actors were so good. And if you, if, if they used to shoot on, you know, they shot when I shot on the the lot at on 20th Century Fox, and I lived right on Beverly Glen and Olympic, which is like hmm, six blocks from 20th Century Fox. It was the first time I got to go that six blocks and go on the lot. Like I would see Dennis Franz at the Ralphs at the grocery store in between, like where I would walk from my house and he would come after work and I'd see him in the aisle. And you know what I mean? To be like, oh, well, that's Dennis Franz. And then I got to work with him, which was amazing, you know? So I always like working with, with, and he was nice. Yeah. Um, which is always nice too, because they're not all nice. I'm on <laughs> I'm glad to hear these nice. They they talked about. And I guess they shot a pilot for a um, a reboot or a sequel series for um, NYPD Blue, but they were gonna kill Sipowitz off in the first episode. I'm like, after all the crap that guy went through during the original series, like let him live. Yeah, <laughs> man. <Let> him live. <laughs> Every relative he had died, so let's just let the guy live. Yes. So you've dipped your toes into quite a bit of different things in Hollywood, being an actress or a writer or a producer. Is there is there one you enjoy more than the other? Do you enjoy acting more than producing, or do they all kind of scratch a different itch? Or, you know yeah, I mean? they're totally different animals. Producing's mm -hmm. hard. Solving problems is hard. <laughs> stuff, you know, creating something from scratch and getting funding is hard. You know, and writing something, you know, out of, on a blank screen, like, uh, writing. Like it's either coming to you and it's easy. Thank you, God. I'm just channeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or yeah. it's work. I don't like it. You know, <laughs> it's one or the other. Producing, as long as I'm working with people I know and respect, I like doing it and I like problem solving. It's like solving a bunch of people's problems who aren't doing a good job and that I end up not respecting. Not so fun. You don't work with those people again. But I, of all things, I don't know how I ended up with this group of people, but I've been working with the PureFlix team, which is now Sony Pinnacle Peak. Sony bought PureFlix, sure. you know, PureFlix.com, David A.R. White, Christian, family friendly. I play the bad guy, you know, the vixen bad girl. And, and uh, it's not all their movies, but of late, I came in as a, a producer on Beckman. I met David A.R. White through Vincent DePaul, who plays my brother in the movie Beckman. And they and they were trying to do something more mainstream and use mainstream um, actors. You know, we had Billy Baldwin, Jeff Fahey, David A.R. White, me, who's known as being, you know, not at the Christian movie girl, really. You know, I was not on Full House. You know, I, I don't fit the mold. But they needed someone to play a soccer mom by day and a human trafficking assassin by night. I mean, you're definitely an interesting character. So, so I fit that role where they have a lot of people who can play good people, but their 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 you know pool of talent of people they know don't play a lot of um, 
aren't or, or even willing to go that dark. Like it was pretty dark. I had I had people tied up in my basement doing nasty things. You know what I mean? So so I I had a ball. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were so nice as to take hire me as an actress and take me to Malta in the belly of the pandemic. Matt Shapira directed David A.R. White starred again. They brought all their friends that they know could go to a foreign country and hang and have make a movie and we um Stephen Bauer you know Scarface um Ray Donovan you know every you know every you know he's been a friend for many many years and I got to play his like girl Friday he was the lead bad guy against David A.R. White and I was his kind of sidekick you know badass girl so um that was really fun and that comes out on my birthday we're having the premiere October 13th so in a few weeks look for Love on the Rock Awesome. Well, happy birthday. It's coming Thank up. Thank you. I won't tell you what number it is because it's okay. too big. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm too cute to be that old. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, how was Malta then? How was filming in Malta? Malta is crazy beautiful. I mean, they filmed Game of Thrones there. What's the other one with the Lord of the Rings and all of that? They filmed uh, New Zealand, back right? there. Yeah, it's all it's like where where Christianity was born. It's where like all the underground cities and like these big churches, and then it's like the majestic cliffs. They filmed the Blue Lagoon there. On our days oh, off, okay. we went we went swimming in the actual Blue Lagoon. Like it was redonkulous. And That's then cool. um one of the guys who played one of the fishermen who's local is the goalie for the their soccer team, their football team. We hit it off. I had a small part, so I had a lot of time off. So he would just show me around. That's cool. I had the best time in Malta. I was hanging with, you know, the the Beckham of, of the country. You couldn't walk down the street without a kid asking him to sign the soccer ball. And he thought I was hot stuff because I was a Hollywood actress. You know, it all worked out. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> for sure. That is That's awesome. I, I have to hear about Cupcakes for Christmas because I'm a big Christmas Hallmark movie guy. Oh, well, you know what? I love those movies, too. But sometimes they're a little bit too sweet. Like the title, <laughs> Cupcakes for Christmas. And that's why that's the working title, because we're going to sneak in some hard some hard issues in that sweet little movie. But um, me and my friends wrote it. Um, we're like, what? we want a movie that, that deals with issues that fits, that we're going to check all the boxes of Hallmark, but we're also going to touch on some things like she's a, an alcoholic who's, or becomes, you know, an alcoholic after her <laughs> for a short time, after her husband cheats on her with her teenage daughter's college-age tutor. Like, that's not in a Hallmark movie, usually. That's so, not. like, that's how the catalyst for getting her to kind of fall off and do some bad things and then have a redemption story. And, of course, there's the happy ending, and she goes back to her small town, falls in love, of course. You know, it's very Hope Floats with the, with the geek. Is she know, a banker? Who used to be the geek in school, who's really the nice guy now, and she should have seen that all along, and they lived happily ever after. Oh, God, yeah. Now I've given away the whole movie. We can, we can <laughs> add it to set to shoot on a horse farm, because it takes place on a horse farm where she moves back with her dad after this happens um, in Tennessee during the pandemic, and it got delayed and delayed, and now, uh. you know. You, you know how it is. So someday that movie will come into existence. I was going to play the lead girl. I may, I may not anymore. We might get someone bigger and younger and, you know, and do it. But it's, 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 it's fun to even get this far with that movie. Is there cupcakes in the movie? 
Oh yes, that's okay. she. She talks to her dead mother who died of breast cancer. We're talking some really heavy stuff in this little Hallmark movie. Who becomes her guardian angel, and she says, "Put the bottle down and make cupcakes." Uh, you know, and she starts making cupcakes. She's she's the cupcakes queen of LA, and then she just becomes the cupcakes queen queen of her own hometown. I think uh, Hallmark movies have to have cupcakes somewhere in them. They right? have to. Is that a thing? Is that a thing? I'm, I don't want know. Money. There's like a chest checklist. Something bad has to happen that they have to get out of. There's got to be something. There's got to be some sort of faith element, and and there's got to be cupcakes, and there has to be a snowball fight. Mm. If it's a Christmas movie, there must be snow, and there's got to be a cute little romantic snowball fight, and there's got to be a montage about picking out a Christmas tree and decorating it. There's this list. Nice. <laughs> Check it twice. <laughs> yes. I am loving where this interview is going. We're going all over the place. This is fantastic. But I, I have to ask about Witches of Amityville academy because i'm a fan of the amityville franchise and that one i have not heard of yet and i really want to check That's it out because it's a straight to dvd like all movies are these days let's see if i can find it you can buy these on my website signed by the way you know my nice. friend donna spangler i'm gonna get this so you can see it my friend donna spangler called me up one day and said you know me and my my friend Britton are going to make a movie about three witch sisters and um, saving their their niece, who's you know the the young girl from the bad witch. We're going to be the good witches, but we need a third sister. So you're you're going to be our our third sister if you want to come to to England and make a movie. This is pre pandemic. We shot it in November in England. So it's Amityville witches. Oh, Look for this or witches of Adam Adamy. Amityville Academy, depending on um, which, which where you get it. Um, I'm the middle witch in the center. Nice. The three sisters, and then um, and we had the best time, and we shot the whole movie in like a week with these Sweet. young kid, bare bones pr production budget, like with like a lot of horror movies. Like it doesn't have to be that great. It just has to be kind of scary, and you know, and have a have um, a fun story and. To tell you the truth, I don't like the blood and gore mm. stuff. Like at first, you know, at one point they were talking about because I didn't look like the other girls so much. They're tall and thin and model looking, and I'm the I'm the kid sister, so I could be the little runt, I guess. But um, they said, well, maybe you'll be better at the bad witch. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to sacrifice any virgins. I don't want blood. I don't want to have to fight the demon, you know, and, you know, eat him. No, no, no. Leave that to somebody else. I'll be the good witch who saves the day. And, <laughs> you know, that was more my scene. That's why I haven't done a lot of horror movies. I did a couple of really fun things. I did Perversions of Science which was with um, Toby Hooper directed it. He did Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it was Bob Zemeckis was the executive producer. I mean, it was incredible. I worked with Chris Sarandon and, and Jason Kennedy and Jay, um, Jason Lee and like some really good people. And I played like a vamp, a teen, a young vampirist, you know, girl, um, goth girl, <laughs> which was fun. Um, and was on the cover of Perversion. What, what was it called? Um, oh, Femme Fatale's magazine. Remember that back in the day? You're geeks. You should know. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Femme Fatale's magazine. Anyway, it was a really fun anthology series. And and I've been killed in a couple things, including NYPD Blue. They find me dead in the bathtub. Well, that's what Do you, you have a favorite death? I think this is an important question to answer. Do you have a I favorite way you went favorite. out? Wait, hold on. Another movie. Okay. 
I, I die in several of these. I die in several of these. This is a really good death, Beckman. Okay. I get, because I die several times, you think I'm dead, but I'm not really dead. And by the way, we're not sure if I'm dead still because we're working on the sequel. Oh. But I get shot in the back. And then I get stabbed in the back. And then I'm left swimming in a sea of blood, but he never checks to see if I'm dead. So I could still be alive. Yeah, a lot of this one, this one, um, acts of desperation. I I can't really tell you what happens, but it's very dramatic. They stop me from killing myself at the beginning of the movie. Trevor Etne, Paul Sorvino, Jason Gedrick, and me. Um, and I'm a crazy deranged, uh, you know, I don't, how can you tell that I can play crazy and deranged? I don't know. I seem very normal, but I play a, a, a kind of a, a, a bipolar um, suicidal nutcase. Um, and I say that with, with all due respect to, to, to some people having issues, but she's, she's, she's a mess and she just works her way into the lives of all these different people. And, um, but you can't save somebody who wants to die. Let's just put it that way. Fair enough. So, but, but that's a very dramatic scene because it involves actually shooting on a freeway overpass, having to be tied in and. That's scary. Jumping. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So, so that was a really fun death to shoot. And then NYP, and then um, this is sort of a side note because I, I, I was Patricia Arquette's body double for huh. Stigmata. So all nice. of that, all of that, you know, the, when she goes through the, the, you know, she gets the nails through her hands or she's, she's bleeding all over the place. They did all, they used my body for a lot of that, the seizure in the bathtub, because that's a lot of work. Like she's working on the scenes where she's close up or whatever, but then when they've got to go in and get a bunch of coverage, I was her person who got tortured basically. So that was a really fun thing to shoot. And I worked on that movie for three months. I get more residuals from never being, having my face on screen than a lot of other little movies that I've made. Wow. I yeah. got to ask one more thing before we go. What's one of the craziest things that you can talk about that uh, happened on either set or throughout the course of your career making movies? The grotto. <laughs> what happened in the grotto? You know what? I, I know this is kind of escaping this question, but it really is about the people that you meet. Like, mm -hmm. I just love what happens on location off camera like just the camaraderie like this last movie we shot love on the rock stephen bauer would get out his guitar every night in the lobby we were all sort of quarantined into our group when testing and you're on the call sheet you, got, you had to stay we all had to stay together you know what i mean so we just created like this family and this party and this like we would be dancing and eating and drinking and just like it was like summer camp you know, and, and that's how it is on most movie sets. But on Malta in a pandemic, it was like to the nth degree, you know, it was really fun. And everyone was just so happy to be out and be amongst people um, that it was it was just a really special time. That is absolutely awesome. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I want to make sure everybody runs out to check out Love on the Rock and go to her website. I've actually got it pulled up here, and there's a lot of cool things you guys can get in the shop and get some autographed uh, movies and um, some other cool stuff. So definitely check out her website, which is 
kirareedlorsch.com. Thank you. Yes. And then where can everybody? Yeah, I'm sorry, Jason. You're just saying the same thing. Where can everybody find you online? At Kira Reed Lorsch on Instagram is my favorite. I'm always on Instagram. I'm, it's my new addiction. Um, and and on TikTok and, you know, the old Facebook still works. Um, I've got a fan page there. You can join Kira Reed Lorsch fans or follow me on Twitter at Kira Reed Lorsch. What about a MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's still an account there. I don't I'm, sure, know I'm sure Tom is still waiting. <laughs> He's still my friend. He's still likes me. <laughs> he I miss Tom. All right, everybody, please hit that like, subscribe, and share. We will see you guys next time. Have a great day.